This podcast is brought to you with support from The Big Idea, New Zealand's online hub for creative people. The Big Idea aims to support talented, innovative individuals and organisations and advocates for creativity as an essential ingredient in the cultural and economic wealth of New Zealand. Their website is thebigidea.nz. Welcome along. It's been a long time between drinks there, Danny. It has. I'm thirsty. Um, yeah, man. It's Well, life gets in the way sometimes. <laughs> it does. And we've both been very, very busy, but um, happy to be back on the horse. Yeah. And uh, our guest today is Dane Giroux. Tell us a little bit about him. I don't know anything about him yet. Cool. Okay. He's a, but he's a comedy writer. So basically. why the hell is he on the show? <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's a comedy. He's, he's one of those guys who knows lots of stuff and does lots of stuff, but I think he calls himself a comedy writer right. first. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's that sounds about right. And, but he's he's a creative in many different yeah. kind of areas and has been and done a lot started of started out in bands and all of that. Yeah, yeah. cool. So uh, there we go. And he reached out to us after one of our other episodes. He's a friend of um, one of our guests, and he, thought, he did. Yeah. yeah, and that's always cool. We like that happening. Yeah, yeah. The community's growing. Totally. Slowly tokenly from Yeah. <laughs> Speaking in different languages now. <laughs> well, you can't say we're not diverse. <laughs> <laughs> You're flu- fluent in complete gibberish. <laughs> that just didn't work from the start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I knew it wasn't going to work out, so I just gave up. Fair enough. <laughs> you got to bail, you know. No when to fold them. On that note, uh, let me tell you about Rains Gibson and Matthew's accountants. Go on then. So, uh, Did whether we pay you- our bill this year? We, we paid their bill. Yeah, have we paid them? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, whether you know it or not, if you're pursuing a career in the arts, you're effectively striving to be an entrepreneur. Therefore, it's important to set yourself up properly so you can focus on your kids. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be one of those ones. Can I insert this later? <laughs> yeah, you can say it later. When you, <laughs> when you stop the giggles. <laughs> Holy shit, I'm so tired. Tell uh, me about it. I'll try again. One okay, more time. Go. Whether you know it or not, if you're pursuing a career in the arts, you're effectively striving to be an entrepreneur. Therefore, it's important to set yourself up properly so you can focus on your creativity with the peace of mind that your business is strong and working for you. A good accountant can directly and indirectly drastically influence the success of your business. This is why you need an accountant who is not only good at their job, but who's good to deal with and even has experience in business themselves. A good accountant will give you peace of mind that your finances are all above board. They'll make your money work for you and they will often save you money by setting you up properly. Small business accounting is very time consuming. So having an accountant frees you up to do the things you're actually good at, or at least telling yourself you're good at. They will help you set up your accounting system so it's more efficient and easier to use and they'll ensure that you pay the correct types of taxes and and their correct amounts because mistakes can be costly. Remember, business is not the opposite of art. It is the foundation on which you can build a long career in the arts. So talk to Mark Rains at Rains Gibson and Matthews Accountants, www.rgmaccountants.co.nz. Wow. Well, how was that? Well written. A couple of misfires. I wonder how they, I nailed it. I wonder who they have as accountants. Do they do it themselves? Oh, I'd probably get someone overseas to do it. Right. Because yeah. then they can, yeah, right. Yeah, cheap labour somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what are we here to talk about today? We're going to talk about anything, or well, just yeah, you're free. You're free. I'm you free. can talk about anything you want. What would you like to talk about? Uh, well, 
this whole thing, and I'm not even sure where where this is going. And I just wanted to actually ask other people's opinions on it. Yeah, the UNESCO um, Music City, and I don't even know if other musicians in Auckland are aware that what uh, is it? UNESCO. UNESCO. Yeah, you the new UN's. Um, I think they're like a cultural and economic development arm of the United Nations. Really? And UNESCO thought, is a. I thought UN just dealt with political stuff. Well, there you go. So check it out. UNESCO, um, they have their own website. Is this a new thing? No, 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 no. They've been around for, for a long, long time. So then um, what else does the UN do? I don't know. I'm not here to talk about the UN. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now intrigued. <laughs> no, I don't know. I thought they, they dealt with global things. Aren't they? Well, I mean, you know, they are like the world government, aren't they, or something? You I know, guess the so, United yeah. United Nations who for those who go in and take part peacekeeping and all that kind of stuff but yep. this is the, the cultural arm of the UN so okay. they deal in the arts and um, yeah as I say economic development as far as I can tell right. look I'm no expert but but what I'm trying to get at is that <laughs> Auckland City has um, been given by the UNESCO has, has gained uh, music city status okay and there are a few there are a couple of australian cities and there's other there are canadian there are cities around the world any idea how many cities no okay i don't but well, you don't, don't know are we talking like five or 50 or do you have any idea yeah all? look i'm gonna go more towards the 50 okay or more right and i'm just completely you know because only because i know they've been doing it for a wee while but right no. <laughs> Okay. But anyway, so the point is, um, I'm not sure whether people out there know about it because people I've spoken to, like yourself, you didn't know, no, um, and I don't know whether it's just because of my, you know, my day pursuits, my day job that I know about it. Is that how you heard about it? It is. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, because Auckland Council had some things to do with it, um, mm. with the application to become a music city, but right. I don't really know enough about it to be, you know, to give a really informed discussion or or like presentation on it. Sure. But the gist of it um, is that I think, or the one, at least the part that I picked up on and ran with, is, you know, what 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 would make Auckland City a um, where we live, where we're based, mm-hmm. what would make it a more f- music friendly um, environment? Okay, and I think that, that's that's at least one aspect of the the whole uh, music city thing. You know, being music friendly. Right now, you mentioned something earlier about. Loading zones, like in Seattle. In Seattle, yeah. Yeah, yeah they've got parking, like temporary parking or loading zones or something for musicians. So how big a deal is that? Well, for musicians working, it's a yeah. massive deal. Mm, Especially mm. I can vouch for um, Auckland musicians who, who get told to piss off by you know local wardens. Right. And you'd be in a loading zone unloading. And yeah. like, no, you can't unload. It's like there's things you're allowed to unload in unloading zones but not other things you're not you, you know you're allowed like yeah, musicians right. musicians aren't allowed to unload speakers therefore other people to unload other things because it's loading zones for it's for commercial um use right i i guess so but why yeah. aren't, why aren't musicians exactly so why aren't they looking like that that's right. your point right yeah is that what you get? yeah and uh, we saw a sort of thing just recently on facebook um you know wayne bell a very well-known producer drummer, drummer yeah. um composer in auckland yeah was saying about um, the basement um, recording studio where he works out of sometimes, I, I guess. Right. Um, how the council have um, changed the, the lane that the the parking out the front of it used to be free parking, mm-hmm. but now it's a bus lane. Right. Where people used to unload equipment down, you know, down two flights of stairs underground into the basement. It's a of difficult the, load at the best of times. Yeah, into yeah. the lab. Long flight of stairs. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But now they have to walk from around the corner with all their gear. Right. You know, park around. and um, So... You know things like that, like submitting to, I guess, to council or to other to the working group that comes um, from putting something like this together with UNESCO hmm. to make submissions to go. 
this is what this would be great for um, for musicians um, as an example in a city living right any new um, and and the, having the weight of UNESCO behind them can you know there's a lot of clout there where you can lobby governments and you can change bylaws or, or lobby to have bylaws introduced so you're instance, talking about pragmatic support rather yeah, than like, on pra- support. like yeah. going if you're going to build an apartment building next to a um, a fucking pub yeah like the king's then, arms like the king's arms then put triple glazing in your new build right. to, to make sure that those people are not um you know don't become disgruntled about hearing loud music yeah yeah, I mean, like that. years ago when I was like 20, I wrote a letter to, to the government to, I think it was, um, what's her name again? Someone, Tizard? Tizard. Um, Catherine Dame Tizard. Catherine. Yeah. Uh, I wrote a letter saying, well, it's all very well giving money to individuals in the industry for an album or something, mm. but what about supporting the infrastructure? You know, and, and the, the the examples I brought up with her in this letter was, was um, I think the parking was part of it, but also what about helping venues put in well-built stages with you know acoustic treatments in the rooms um put in PAs so bands don't have to bring their own PAs and the PAs are actually EQ'd to the room so it's all sort of ready to go mm. I found out later of course these sorts of places exist in LA and other places mm. um teaching them how to put you know draping around the stages and things like that because modern pubs of course all concrete and glass and yeah you know a band hits a snare drum and fucking all the windows blow out you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um put support the infrastructure so that bands have better experiences on stage audience have audiences have better experiences listening to the bands you know mm-hmm. the bands get better at honing their craft the audiences hopefully become fans and it sort of affects the industry from the ground up yeah i thought this made perfect sense and of course i just got a template letter saying thanks for your thanks for your letter um you know we're not going to pay any attention to you that's not what you said earlier. <laughs> you said it, it said thanks very much. Fuck off. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's what it was that's basically. What that's like, what it was basically saying. You felt yeah. like I was saying, yeah, yeah. So, and I and admit, I admit that, and and you you know probably tell me I'm cynical, but there's part of me that believes that things like uh, government interaction is is more about. Um, looking like they're doing something rather than trying to get to an outcome. And I know that you work for the government. (laughs) For local government. Yeah. 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 Um, Outcomes are definitely what what we're about. I mean, we are about getting, you know, across the line with objectives. Right. It it might be that the... um, They could be the wrong objectives for, for someone in your position, and that's hopefully something like UNESCO City of Music will give that voice to musicians. Well, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. you know, whether there's yeah. a forum for them to go, hey, this is really not working for us. Because my interest is um, not me. You know, I mean, even even when I was 20 and wrote that letter, I was actually thinking more about the industry. Yeah. I, I The way that I see it is, that, you know, I feel the same way about politics. I mean, mm. if the economy's strong, we're all better off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had a friend who... Uh, about the same time actually when I was about 20 um, it was a time to vote again and, and I asked her in conversation who are you voting for and she said I'm voting for whoever I can't remember who it was but voting for so and so because they're um, putting things in place to support the teaching industry and she was tr- at, at teachers college mm-hmm. and I was like okay what else are they going to do she goes I don't know right? and I just thought well, that's really odd you know I mean what if they're going to ru- ruin the whole country but better off the teachers, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, right. shouldn't what we all want be a, a, a political environment, an econ- uh, economical environment, business environment, community environment, you know, that that's better for us all, right? Mm, mm. Right? Or, or MMP, that's what MMP was meant to do. Yeah. It was meant to give all of the um, small voices uh, a place to... 
meant to to be a part of the big picture <laughs> it's meant to yeah. yeah you don't think it does oh, I don't know I don't know what I think of politics yeah. yeah I'm not a very political person I think I'm more of a I don't know if there's a name for what I am lost apolitical conf- confused right lost confused <laughs> yeah annoyed sad I tend to- <laughs> Annoyed and sad. Yeah, that's me down to a T. Yeah, no, I've never been a, a, a political person. I've never been. I never understood what, it, why you'd pick a side. For example, I sort of, I tend to think about subjects as they come up. You know, I, I wouldn't say right. that I'm categorically a supporter of one side or the other side. No, you just whatever comes in your head at, at a time. I'll go with that. <laughs> no, I just take it case by case. I mean, you know, look at at America at the moment. There are Republicans that hate Trump but won't admit it. Because they're Republicans. There are more and more that are, admit- are admitting it now. Now, yeah. yeah. But that's kind of an extreme version of what I'm saying. Like, mm. I, I I would rather listen to the question. Yeah, it's more important what team you're on than, than the, the content of what you're... For, for those people, yeah. I, I'm yeah. more interested in the actual question or the, or the problem that's trying to be fixed or whatever it might be. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, hence the, the discussion about this. I mean, I'd like to hear from people out there who either have not heard of it or have ideas about what it, what it, how it could benefit musicians mm. if um, we were, if we were to to get some feedback from musicians what would how would you summarize your question on the matter um what's going to make it what, what's going to make this city better for you to be able to be a musician right so like you know? what would you like this group to do basically yeah yeah you know it's as simple as that maybe three or f- three to five points and what do we got? We've got an email address, right? Info at um, don'tgiveupyourdayjob.co.nz. Yep. People can send ideas through. Yep. And uh, I'm not saying, look, I'm not the I'm not the conduit here. I'm no, not you're gonna, just raising the question. But I'm just raising the question and, yeah. and it's a good question. Some ideas, you it's know, a good question. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if there's ever been a time in history where the government's been more involved in music than it is now. Yeah. I personally think they should fuck right off. Right. But you know, uh, if they're gonna stick their nose in, then let's at least try yeah. and make them useful. So you don't think that. Um, well, I, um, I guess this is what you're trying to say: government intervention or government yeah, getting their government intervention, in intervention is, exactly right, yeah. um, is a way to kind of, I guess, kickstart the cultural kind of um, underpinnings of something that can be built on, like a foundation. Uh, I'm only saying that based on you know, there's such a, a rich history of music culture in America. You know, this mm. is where all modern music comes from the roots of American music, early right. American music. Um, and they don't have government funding over there. They're a very strong industry. Yeah. Now, um, but what I'm saying is, I guess, with the intervention, for lack of a better term, is that what I'm thinking is maybe that's their way of trying to get it to a point in industry, make it healthy enough from grassroots level up. And, and you know, we can argue argue whether that's been effective or not but to a point where it can compete on an international level and then become sustainable. Isn't that the idea? You know, it's a, a mint supposed to sustain itself, um, uh, I would imagine. Yeah, and it's a very, very big question. Mm. You know, it's, it's, I think it's a whole whole episode at least. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I... Maybe you know, we should I, get David I, Riddler on and... Uh. I mean, personally, I... How can I answer that really quickly? I, I believe that things... I believe in more more of an organic industry. You know, I believe in supply and demand because it's logical. You right. Know? Um, I don't think survival can, of the fittest. Yeah, basically, right. it's brutal. It's probably an unpopular view at these days in many ways, but mm. it 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 happens anyway. Mm. And and when you look back through history, not just the arts, but just anything like that, um, things have a habit of finding their own momentum, mm. and you can you can't really force it. 
It's like it's like when you you know name a name a any recent artist who's blown up and had massive success, mm. right? Now try and repeat it. You can't. Yeah, it's no form. You can't no form bottle. You can't bottle it. It's not that kind of thing. Yeah, you know. Um, well, it's not an unpopular um, concept with our guest today, right? Um, Danger Row. Yeah. In fact, we talk about it in the episode about how he thinks you know it, it shouldn't be in, as involved or in as, as ensconced as it is. Yeah. That um, natural talent probably should be left to rise to the top, you know, on its own own merits yeah, or exactly. not, or lack thereof. Because natural talent is only a very small part of the puzzle. That's right. I yeah, we talk about that too, right? Yeah, There's a whole big other picture about, uh, around it. So. And, and talent's overrated, really. Because I talent, wouldn't know. I don't have any. <laughs> well, talent's just a thing. I mean, it's what is talent? I mean, it's really just a skill. Yeah. Loads of people have skill. You mm. can be an amazing singer and a complete douchebag and end up with no career, <laughs> you know? Or you can be a really, really shitty singer and have the right opportunities fall in front of you and end up super famous. Yeah. But you could also be famous and, and miserable. So, yeah. you know, that it comes, it comes round back to our ongoing question, what is success? <laughs> and here we are back at the start of the episode, having achieved nothing. Oh, my God. It's, it's like Inception. <laughs> it is. It's kind of, it's, dreams it's, within it's, dreams. Our, our podcast is eating itself. <laughs> okay. On that note, <laughs> let's introduce our in. guest. Okay. Yeah. Danger Row, take it away. Now, let's do this. So which ear are you most deaf in? I think it's this one. I think it's a left. Was it the one facing your amp? Uh, well, probably. No, fuck that. It's a drummer. It's always well, a drummer. Oh, come on. No it's way, the crash no symbol. We should talk about. That is such bullshit. And the drummers get blamed for so much. It's not bullshit. This crash symbol is right behind your head. No. It goes straight in your ears. Total shit. It's a, it's a myth. <laughs> Especially for people like you that hit from above your head. It's a conspiracy well, we theory. Should, we should talk about all this on air. <laughs> we, we are. are. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, great. This is how oh, we sound check. Oh, great. We, we catch you out by just pushing record as oh, soon as you walk in the door. That, oh, great. Great. Yeah. That's good. It's yeah. good, to, good, good to know. Good to know. Uh, I think that the crashing symbol in the air, could, there could be something nah, to that. bullshit. Uh, no, I think there could be something <laughs> oh, to that. I was a rhythm guitarist, yeah. and I used to kind of hang back with the drums and, you know, and put my foot against the, you know, bass drum and all right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Know, just uh-huh. to kind of get into the groove. Yeah. No, of course, and, that's going to ruin your hearing. And he would, would have been crashing his cymbal and catching it, you know, because <laughs> we're in the era of, you know, kind yeah. of, you know, catching cymbals. Well, obviously, we know that we're right, but I'd be still yeah. interested to hear what Bobby's bullshit, <laughs> his bullshit defense is. I'm just being is. defensive of, of drummers in general, but yeah. it, you, it's... You know, I, my theory is, and it's not a theory, in fact, it's the truth, it's a fact, <laughs> that the, it gets louder and louder on stage because guitarists keep turning up their fucking amps. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then the drummer has to play louder, and then it just it's a, like a, a vicious cycle. Yeah, completely. No, no. See? There yeah, you go. I used to do that. I used to turn up the amp all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah some guitarists like sound are crazy. check is like, um, you know, about... Number what about seven on yeah, the dial? Yeah. And then yeah. by the time you get to the gig, it's, you turn all the way up to eleven. It all starts with the yeah, drums, though. Yeah, yeah. Bullshit. Drum, drummers hit harder at the gigs, so the guitarists can't hear themselves anymore. <laughs> well, but I'm saying I that mean, there's also all the guitarists out there that that wheel in big Marshall stacks and stuff at a little club. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I you know my team lets me down. And there are bit. also the drummers that okay, let's singers were being so conciliatory. Yeah, drummers that hit rim shots on every fucking. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like a shotgun. Yeah, all night. So you know, I get that, and the, yeah. and they have those massive six and a half eight inch snare drums. Yeah, they just crack. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's why you did lose your hearing. <laughs> well, you know, we were uh, at the tail end of the the glam rock right era. You know, so we had the long hair and the pierced nose and the. Wait, the, I thought you were in a punk band. Now you're well, in a we, glam we were rock kind band. Kind of more like the New York Dolls. Oh, okay, right. Now we had that kind of thing going on. So yeah, I mean, it yeah. was uh, we existed because glam had kind of come back. So yeah. I mean, it was it was hair. It was kind of hair metal, but it was right. It was kind of more. We were more into the New York Dolls and that kind of uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, writing your own stuff. 
Yeah, writing our own stuff. Yeah, and mm. so we, um, uh, but but you know, I mean, we prided ourselves on being extremely loud. Yeah, of and, course. Yeah. And actually, you know, in part of like the, the louder the better. Yeah, the louder the the better. <laughs> and the shtick was to, you know, be hanging right by the stack, and it's like you know it's to show people that. You dig it loud, you yeah, know. Right. You dig being, you, you can know, handle hanging, it. You can handle it. Yeah, yeah. We, you, I'm right, and now I can't hear anything out of that ear. I'm all <laughs> fucked up. And and, we, and I remember our, our lead guitarist, um, you know, got earplugs, and and he just turned up at, at, at rehearsal one day and just started putting these earplugs in. We got we gave him so much shit. Yeah, I bet. And this <laughs> was back. In, this was back in the days where you know you, you know, made homosexual slurs to people that right. wore earplugs. You, know? right. you can't yeah. do that anymore. No. Yeah, but this is, was 1992, so yeah. we can be forgiven for that. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sort of. No. <laughs> it sounds like we're not going there. Okay, no, no, go there. Let's we'll just we'll we'll move past it. Yeah. 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 So we questioned the sexuality yeah. because of the earplugs. Because of the earplugs. Which just was ridiculous now when I look back at it. <laughs> yeah. you know, now, now, now I reflect. It just seems so ridiculous. Yeah. Where, where, so you yeah, would this, make that connection. Is this in Auckland or where were you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah we I mean, were how many gay people walk around with earplugs? But yeah, <laughs> wasn't that just the the response to everything you thought was less manly than you? Though that was just the kind well, of the oh, irony was beat. that you know I probably would have been wearing fishnet stockings and cowboy boots at the <laughs> right. and eyeliner, yeah, and eyeliner and oh. and lipstick and full makeup while I was kind of accusing him of being homosexual for oh my earplugs. god right. can you please give us a photo of, of you at that era uh, for the look, podcast i've been looking for photos is this and, like a poison sort of it, it's kind of poisonish quiet yeah. riot sort it's, of it's, stuff a, they're a bit more heavy metal they're right. a bit more studded oh, I just mean, yeah, yeah i mean the look though yeah oh no what's the other one i'm thinking of the um, twisted Row? sister oh Twisted, still Make probably a little t- middly. We were a bit more kind of hard. It's hard to explain, really. I think we're just a fucking mess. <laughs> I see. <laughs> <laughs> they used to call me Pepe Le Pew because I had, because, you know, Dane Giroux, it's a French name. And, right. And uh, I had long raspberry kind of hair with a black stripe in the front. Isn't that the skunk? The, the, yeah, Pepe the, Le Pew, the, the, Yeah, the sex oh, man oh, skunk. Oh, oh. Right. He didn't yeah. have long red hair, did he? No, but, but he, he had, had, he had, he had a, a cloth sp- thing. Oh, what do you call it? The little. Yeah. The, and with the black, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, can't so remember that. I had that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think what? It, yeah, that Duff McKagan from you know the bass yep. player, from, Guns and Roses. Yeah, he yeah. had the black underneath, and I thought that was pretty cool. So I started putting black in my hair and stuff. Uh, <laughs> all of that. So what? And and did, when did you stop doing that? Was there a reason the band broke up or Nirvana came out? Right. Uh, yeah. Fucked everything up. You got it for man. all you glam rockers. Oh, we got fucked up. Like, yeah. Right. The guys in flannel shirts was like, that's fucked up. Yeah. yeah, like, like what you're like wearing, the one right I'm now. wearing. Yeah, <laughs> fuck, it's like yeah. destroyed my music career. <laughs> had to happen. You're wearing yeah. fishnet stockings for uh, fuck's sake. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had some dignity and self-respect, and then these guys, these fucking flannels, like, and look like they've just woken up and uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, but you know, we had a publishing deal with Sony Music, and uh, Paul Ellis actually was oh, yeah. had an eye on us, and. Um, we were working on getting a distribution deal with Virgin. So, well, I mean, so, you know, we're like kind of knocking on the right door. on the edge there. Yeah, and we, we had a manager who wanted to kind of take us to Australia at that, at, you know, at that point. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just became a little real. Right, yeah. For a few people in the band. And, you know, it was... Well, what does that mean exactly? Like, do they have day jobs and stuff or... Yeah, they, well, yeah. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. My day job was to sleep off the alcohol. The night before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. come back and get back in. That was my day job, just kind of recovery. Yeah. But um, no, there, there were some guys like, uh, oh, uh, our singer was a um, 
like electrician or right. something like that. And no, the guitarist was an electrician and the singer was a refrigeration engineer. So, okay. you know, like he was a, you know, this madman on stage and then kind of doing all that stuff. And nothing wrong with either of those things, but are you yeah. saying that they just didn't quite have the nerve to jump off the safety well, of it their... It was a big call, Yeah, you know? And uh, I think, you know, the, the singer suffered in silence a little mm-hmm. as we were kind of preparing for everything and getting excited mm-hmm. about it and talking mm-hmm. about it and, and freaking him out. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And he's like, he just said... I, I, I can't go. Right. I got a job. I, I have a dog. <laughs> is that though? Is that is that an excuse? I mean, there there are some people out there who freak out about the idea of being successful. Yeah. They have this dream about what they want to do, where they want to be, but when it's right within their grasp, there's something. I don't know that it's necessarily the security of a job. Maybe it is, but but also there's that kind of like fuck. Now I really do have to perform. I I gotta step up here and and do something um there's all this expectation so like they can't. sabotage themselves yeah, yeah it's self-sabotage you yeah know? to like, get ahead of it i've known some people like that who get to a certain level and they're like oh no freaked out i can't do this anymore oh, yeah no no I, I i think so and i also think you know just now i'm a, like a writer and i've been in the business you know um for oh, probably 25 to th- yeah 25 years yeah um it's hard Mm. And I think that these are probably just the smart people <laughs> <laughs> that kind of get it's like this is going to be really fucking hard. Yeah, instant noodles is kind of rock and roll now, but it's yeah. not going to be when I'm like 42. Yeah, like uh. instant noodles at 42, it's not going to be rock and roll. Right, you know, it's, yeah. it's going it gets be, sad at some point. Doesn't it, it? it gets sad at some point, and yeah. it, you know, I guess it gets sad a lot earlier for those guys. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you know, we're rare animals. The people that can kind of Mm. stick at it and I think maybe they're the smart ones well what made you stick at it <laughs> I don't know I just didn't think I could do anything else I mean I I was pretty bitter and upset when the band broke up mm. you know? right was well, that your you main like- thing like did you grow up wanting to be in the band and now you're doing it and that was I, well, full, all, all I guess when I was really young like like 12 or 13 I went to like uh, drama classes at um, like the Nathan Homestead in Manurewa yep. yeah so I went there and so I was kind of, you know, a little actor, you know, so mm. I wanted to do that. But then I, I think on one of the plays that we did, I picked up the guitar and started learning how to play. And then, yeah, by the time I was 16 or 17, I was just like a just a dude that wanted to play guitar. Yeah. And so right. that became my dream and pushed that. But, um, yeah, I mean, when I was in it, I wanted to take on the world with it. Yeah, know? of course. Yeah. But... Um, but when everything came crashing down at that point, I mean, I was definitely like, I don't want to rely on four other people again. Yeah, right. right. So I you, really had that because, yeah. and I and I think because the carpet could be pulled out from you at any moment. You know, if you've got, it's like yeah. being in a marriage with four yeah. other people. Yeah, and you you've got to commit to it, and with all all of that seriousness of what a marriage is like, you know, you're going mm-hmm. into a, a financial arrangement with people, yeah, and yeah. you're you know, for want of a better term, making this thing together creating this wonderful thing that you want the world to see and enjoy and then mm. um people can just kind of fuck that all up for you by just deciding i don't want to do it anymore mm. yeah. yeah yeah and and i think a part of me even back then you know uh, even though i was younger and a hothead and probably i wasn't that kind of reflective but i think i did know pretty quickly that hey man you're angry at these guys for mm. letting you down but they got their own lives, you know. They want to do yeah. their own thing. Mm. You shouldn't be relying on other people, right? So, well, that's what, good lesson to learn. what was your response in that moment then? Did uh, you did you try a new band? 
very, very briefly, but it, yeah. we, it didn't click like mm. the other one. And, you know, and I was drinking a, a hell of a lot of booze. Yeah. Know? Like, so I had to kind of dry out, really. Right. You know? And um, and I had a girlfriend leave me exactly the same time. And <laughs> Always happens like that, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. She, and it did my head in, man. It just <laughs> did my head. And I was just so, oh, so upset. You know? Yeah. 20, 21 year old guy. Just oh. lost a girl of his dreams. And, Lost, lost his band, career, lost the band, lost the yeah. band lost the future. Drinking, you know, bottles of vodka and vodka. Oh yeah, like wow. you know, a bottle of vodka. I don't know why I flinched at vodka. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was surprised. I've seen you drink vodka. <laughs> vodka. The, the thing that went through my head was, was that, like that's a that's a chick's drink. <laughs> I don't know why. Based on nothing. But yeah, well, you know, it's I, almost I, like you said heroin. I didn't say I was out of the fishnets yet. <laughs> right, right, of course. I didn't say I was out of the fishnets yet. So maybe. Yeah. What did you drink it with? Uh, I, Straight. Oh, God. Just, <laughs> probably. Uh, probably. <laughs> Raro? Peach Raro? We didn't have a lot of money. Wow. Well, you know, I mean, it's not like we had any fancy mixes. I mean, we, we were eating <laughs> instant noodles, so it probably was Raro. True. Right. Raro and vodka. So how did you pick mm. yourself up from all of that kind of life-changing tragedy? Oh. <laughs> the the Raro. Just, the uh, Raro and the... <laughs> The girl leaving, the probably because all you can give her is Raro and oh yeah, just vodka. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, no, I just I just went to the video store and got a stack of Robert De Niro films. Oh, good man, <laughs> nice. You know what I mean? The yeah. Deer Hunter oh, and got the yeah. Godfather out again, and, yeah. and just got a whole lot of films and watched them and for weeks. I remember raged this. out. Oh yeah, just totally, yeah. and thought I, you know, I could do that. I'm going to be an actor. Yeah. yeah, and so that that's what I did for the next couple of years. I trained. Yeah. Do you have a De Niro impression? You can't see it on a podcast no, when no. you do the chin. Got the down here. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Tell him how good it was. <laughs> it was fantastic. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking to me. You're talking to me. <laughs> I'm the only one here. <laughs> Max, that's the one everyone goes to. That's yeah, taxi yeah. driver, right? Well, yeah, Max Cady in the, in the. What would you go to? What else would you go to? Uh, What's another I classic? Would, I, 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 one. Probably. Oh, you got another. Yeah, you got another. Go. Well, yeah, uh, Max Cady in the in the cinema. You know, when in in Cape oh, Fear. Oh, in Cape Fear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's all about that face, eh? Like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally. Uh, what about Heat? Heat's another one. Heat with pa- oh, Al Pacino. Far out. I don't remember that one you too much. Oh my god, the cafe scene's the best scene in cinema history. Oh yes, between De Niro and they, they're both, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. I've kind it's of like gone off De Niro intense. a little bit. Yeah, well, come on, what's he done lately? Well, he he's just, uh, he appeared, laid he, into Trump a little bit. He laid into Trump, and that, that you know that's 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 his business. To me, it's like he just made so many films. Mm. So I keep Blanchett. I love her. She's a fantastic actress, but it's like she's done so many films. Like right, there was yeah. a time when there was a limited. You know, like a lot of your or my heroes, they, you know, there were like five films you could go to. Yeah, but you know, some actors now. Is that know, an across the board thing films. for you? Like, are, are you often irritated by sort of saturation with music or actors or things like that? That there's too much of it. It's like, give me a break. Well, you mean performers or yeah, or just because um, that's because you're sort of saying that about Kate Blanchett about sort of being too popular or too successful. Well, it makes you wonder if there's anyone else out there that could have done the job. <laughs> right. you know? yeah. yeah, I mean, I like diversity. You know, I want to see different mm. people, and I think that you <clears> know, <throat> we we what happens is, and you can understand why. You know, people become flavor of the month, and they do everything. Yeah, and then they disappear sometimes. Mm. Yeah, like Renee Zellweger, remember her? 
No. She did. Yes. Well, the, yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, she <laughs> changed her Bridget. face or some well, shit. Well, something happened, yeah. yeah. But she did lots of stuff and then just kind of disappeared. And mm-hmm. It'd be better to do less and stick around longer, wouldn't it? Does, does that work? Can it work that mm-hmm. way? I, I'm not sure. Did it work for you? No, I, I no one saw me. Oh, you did the twenty years. All right, okay. And then I did one thing, and it kind of you know everything changed. Right, that, as a writer, or that was more as a writer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so I did the acting, and um, uh, with the is it the silo? Not the silo. It's the basement theater. Basement. Yep. Yeah, there was a guy, an American guy, who came out here with Harvey Keitel when they made the piano, and he was teaching like method acting and stuff, um, and it was uh, you know at the, at that space. And it was pretty raw stuff. It was pretty kind of, you know, what the method acting Lee is. Strasberg? So, is that, is kind that of Lee Strasberg? Lee Strasberg, emotional mm. recall. And so we're all lying on the ground kind of. That's De Niro is a method actor, isn't he? Um, I think he was more Stella Adler. Oh, okay. Who's a bit more technical and a bit more pure Stanislavski, I think. Stanislavski, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, method actors. I say that as if I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I can clarify. No, but uh, I think method acting gets all kind of lumped together a lot. Um, right. But. Stella Adler would probably, if she was around to defend her, to, you know, her craft, would probably say, "I'm not like him. I'm right. not like Lee Strasberg." Mm. He did. A lot, he did something called emotional recall, and we did a lot of that in this class, right? Where we'd um, kind of, kind of go into a meditation state, yeah, and re- recall the saddest day of our lives and and mm. things like that. Is this right. is this also the one where you stay in it between takes? Well, well it could. Well, that's a personal thing. Right. that you can do as an actor if you feel that's important right and, and for you and, and will just you know keep you in there you know mm. um but uh yeah i mean you, you'd kind of you know go into these kind of really dark zones and relive these kind of um traumatic experiences really yeah and and i guess the idea was to um you know be able to kind of get used to it enough to recall your emotions, you know, when right. you needed them for the craft. But uh-huh. it was pretty fucking mad. Right. Yeah. Like I was in the class and like I'd be going into the space and that, and, you know, the, a part of me always held on, you know, because it's like, mm. I don't quite want to let go. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> go Is that what they're trying yeah. to get you to do ultimately oh, though? Oh, just yeah. to let go. Yeah. Is this a still commonly used practice? Um, like, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I've kind of lost touch with the acting thing a lot. I mean, would, I, I kind of, because I was, you know, I was like a born again too, you know, like I was mm. totally into it. So I had all the books under my arm and right. all the, you know, books under one arm and all the videos under the other, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, Gary Oldman and all these guys and just studying them all and really getting yeah. into it. And, the actor's um, studio. Watched all of those, did you? I don't think they were around at the time. Oh. Uh, you, we, yeah, I don't think we could access them at the time. Right, I right, might have yeah. been making them, but yeah. 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 And, um, because I'm trying to think of what which famous actors would have been using that method. Uh, like, what are some really obvious examples? I think I think Al Pacino is. Pacino is, does, is, doesn't he? And he's right. purely, Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. Well, he kind of got claimed by Lee Strasberg, but he always really denied it. He's more a Stella oh. Adler person, right. and, and and she was more. I think she was a bit more technical because Stanislavski didn't want people just to, um, completely kind of have no control over the. Over there, I mean, because what would happen in, in this kind of um, class setting is that it wasn't technical at all. Mm. So you know, it, it wasn't training you for Shakespeare, right. where you need a great voice and you need to be able to move and and do all that kind of stuff. None of that was happening. It's just, I mean, you know, some scenes were were just you know a person would get up there and just wail, yeah, and the teacher would go, "Wow, um, that was fantastic." And I guess after a while, I kind of felt, well. 
was it? I mean, it's just mm. a person crying. Where's the shape? <laughs> yeah. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. it's where's the, where's the kind of, um, what, what, it needs to go through some sort of artistic filter, doesn't it? Well, well, no, I kind of started feeling that. Would mm. I be right mm. in saying that if I use music as a comparison, there mm. are some people who don't have any technique, they just lean into the mic and scream. Mm. And that, it's kind of cool in some ways, has its own place. And then there are people who are very technical musicians who don't really put emotion in. And then there's all these other sort of versions of, of that. And then there are yeah. the people who manage to sort of put it all together. There are yeah, people who yeah. know how to give very emotive performances, but also technically. Yeah, yeah like like in um, in uh, heavy metal, you mm. had like people like um, I, t- I can't pronounce his name. Ingwe Malmsteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ingwe, 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 or something like that. Ingwe Malmsteen or something. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, and he'd just be you know. He could just do that with his mouth now and put a filter on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Would, you know what I mean? Yeah. Autocorrect tune or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, I mean, that was – I knew guys. I knew guitarists who were – and they kind of were like snobs too, you know. They, huh. They'd look down on me because often I'd be out of tune and shit because you know, I was that kind of guy. <laughs> I had a telecaster and stuff. You know, I was really kind of – I was a bit grunty. I like yeah. Keith, Keith Richards and stuff. But Keith uh, Richards is a good example because he's loose. Right. But – there's a fucker puppet to what he does. Like mm. it does come from the blues. It does yeah. have its form, and yeah, you, you know what I mean. So it's so it's not like a guy just screaming into a mic. No, yeah, I mean it's 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 loose. It's out of tune yeah. often, mm. but it does have that fucker puppet. Yeah, you know you can it's got go feel to it too. Oh well. yeah, it's yeah. got yeah. feel because I think because it is rooted in a tradition. Oh, there's there's mm. like Neil mm. Young, there's, oh, yeah, there's Springsteen, there's all those guys. I, I was also thinking of like um, uh, Stevie Wonder and Prince and people like that who mm. gave very powerful emotional performances in their day, mm. um, but their music was absolutely cutting edge, like you know the pinnacle of creative and craftsmanship and all that kind of stuff. Mm. It was all you know. Can you listen to a song or or a, a piece of music and know who the guitarist is playing on it without know without being told? If I'm familiar with the guitarist, yeah, right. So yeah. so there's something to it, like because they're all playing the same chords and the same scales, yeah, uh, and often playing the same types of guitars. So what is it about the, What what are they infusing in it that's unique? Uh, is it a tone thing or is it a way they approach? I don't know, but it's that magic thing, isn't it? It's yeah. that personality in their playing. It's not just guitars for me. I'm. Yeah, drummers. Lo- yeah, probably more drummers. Yeah, probably more familiar with drummers personally. Yeah, right. Mm. Um, but if I hear Branford Marcellus play on something, I know it's him straight away. Right. You know, See, that's what so. I, why I loved Slash from Guns N' Roses. He's got a very unique sound. <laughs> very unique sound yeah. and a lot of personality. Yep. In his playing, like even a lot of people disagree with me, but like Jimmy Page, I, I, I think Slash was more had more personality. Than well, Slash Jimmy could Page. also play the guitar. Yeah, you don't. Like, you're not a Jimmy Page fan. No. I, yeah, I, I prefer notes. And not, rhythm. I, I'm not a big Led Zeppelin guy. Yeah, I was talking to someone about it the other day. It's like you know, you had to like Led Zeppelin. I heard if, someone if say were, that Led Zeppelin would be amazing if he took out the guitaring and the singing. If it was just bass and drums, fantastic band. <laughs> John Bonham, amazing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. controversial. <laughs> I didn't say it. Hey, I didn't we're, say we're, it. It was actually Liberty. It was actually it was Liberty DeVito who said it. But but <laughs> I tell you what, I was talking to someone about this. You know, as part of the same conversation, is like it's it's interesting how music does kind of change and how people you know at the time hear something completely different. Yeah, a good example of that is Kiss. Now. I like the aesthetic of Kiss, and I like what they did, 
but you know I listen to them in my Spotify playlists and now and they're not the greatest hard rock band of the 70s mm. right they're nowhere near no the yeah. greatest hard rock band of the 70s they've got a couple of good songs yeah but they're, but they're kind of a lot of them are really throwaway too yeah. and they were like on lunch boxes and all sorts of shit mm, mm. And, the, and cheap <laughs> trick um when when they came out people like the, the critics were saying that they were going to be the next Beatles good I mean they, God. Had, they yeah I mean they had a lot of buzz and yeah. like live at Budokan does kick ass Mm. Don't look at me. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, man. You've got to check it out. But there's a really good documentary on um, Netflix about Cheap Trick. Really? Yeah. It's a new one. I I, I haven't come across it. Pretty, yeah. It's been there for a couple of years, I think. Am I talking about the right band? Twisted Sister? Oh, am I talking about Twisted Sister? Yeah. Yeah. No, Cheap Trick earlier. Um, Who who was it? The Sticks? Um, No. Oh, fuck. What's the name of their big big album? It's not right on the tip of my tongue. Dream Police? Is that the name of the album? album? It's, it's one no. of their tracks. Yeah, the right. Mm. Yeah. You no. haven't heard that? No. One no. of my favourite guitar solos is the um, the Eddie Van Halen one on Beat It. Oh, for some yeah, reason. Yeah. And I, I can, like, oh, man, I, I just know that's Eddie Van Halen without even anyone telling me that it was him. You know, just that. Yeah, very distinct. kind of a so. feel, right? You mm. know, but can you also sometimes hear the influences of the people you like? You know, what, sure. what I mean is, you mentioned Slash before. He was mm. heavily influenced by um, Joe Perry from Aerosmith. Oh, yeah. And... As soon as you know that, when you hear Joe Perry, you can hear Slash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. You can sort of hear what he's lifted from. Are it. they both kind of riff guys or something? Joe no, Perry there's just note selection stuff. There's a sort of a feel to how they approach things. Mm, and they right. use... Uh, a friend of mine and I had a big conversation about it once and worked out that there's a lot of country tricks in there where they're right. flipping between majors and minor keys in, in a minor context and it's sort of a way that a country guitarist would approach it. See, right. But in a rock and roll setting. You can hear stuff that I can't. I mean, for me, like when I hear any of those guys, I think that... Chuck Berry, yeah, is mm. kind of lurking in the background of all that. Stuff. Oh, I don't you know, doubt like, it. Yeah, don't right. doubt it for a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, like when you hear something like "Walk This Way," you yeah, think that you know, mm. that it sounds like a Chuck Berry song to me. Yeah, you know? yeah, mm. that's so personal. Like, I mean, I, I was <clears throat> slagging off Jimmy Page before. I love slagging off Jimmy mm. Page, mm. Um, but it's such a personal thing, isn't it? What what affects you. And it's also very much about context. I think it's 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 a mistake to try and judge music in a very one-dimensional way because it's there's so yeah. many layers to it. I mean, I was working on the weekend with a couple of guys who were saying that neither of them understand the Beatles. They're completely overrated. Mm. Um, it's average at best. They don't, I'm they hearing don't that get more it. and more now. And I, and I didn't. I, I was proud of myself because it didn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, I wanted to jump to the Beatles' defence, yeah, like yeah. they need my help, you know. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I just thought, well, these two guys I was talking to, they are about 22, and I just thought mm. they probably just haven't been exposed to the Beatles the same way that other people have, you know. Yeah. And not knowing the story and the time and the context and what was going on well, in culture. You know, and... if I watch porn... <laughs> Which, if, of course, you don't. What's that? <laughs> uh, what, what's that? I will always go to late 80s, mid, mid to late 80s porn. <laughs> wow. because, okay. because that's the porn right of the 15 year old danger i see i you know see what i mean so you're so connecting back to your first it's, it's got, experience well it's got that kind of you know it's it's 15 year old danger on the couch the curtains are drawn he's got a cushion <laughs> please don't on his lap he's got a, a shampoo bottle on no well, anyway <laughs> but, but i think a fistful of tissues <laughs> it's a great film lotion <laughs> But uh, Fistful of Tissues was my, was my favourite from the era, actually. Um, <laughs> no, but, but, I, but I think, you know, 
in pants fact, around your ankles. I'm just, I'm, I'm filling the gaps for you here. Right. In, in fact, you know, I was in the bathroom recently and I thought, isn't that interesting? Because we probably do the same thing with music. You yeah. Know? Like we have that kind of first encounter. Right. And so the Beatles for, uh, definitely for me, I mean, when I was a, when I was a kid, it's like, uh, you know, if I heard something like, you know, Michelle or, um, you know, some of the ballads were very haunting to me as a young man. Yeah. You know, I thought these are haunting. Mm. Norwegian Wood and some of the other ones, they had a very haunting quality. An album that really kind of fucked me up when I was young was um, uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John. Oh, beautiful. Mm. And, and, and yeah. he, to me, is underrated. He doesn't get mm. his due enough, uh, probably post the tantrums and tiaras kind yeah. of era, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like... Uh, but you know, there's a kind of, um, you know, like like the, the, I don't know if you've seen the, the vinyl, but you know, you open it up and it's got all the lyrics there and some uh-huh. really interesting artwork mm. and you know, and I'd read them all and it was Bernie Taupin, yeah, kind of writing all right, these the lyrics, lyrics. So they yeah. kind of they really take you on a journey. Well, I was just going to say because one of my favourite songs of his is um good uh, is um I guess that's why they call it the blues. Mm. I think that song's absolutely haunting. Yeah. And and but the, I was always more into Billy Joel, and I think the mm. the thing that sort of barrier for me with Elton John was that he didn't write his lyrics. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and, and again, just a personal opinion, but there's something about believing the person who's singing the song. Like when I hear mm. Billy Joel sing Honesty or Vienna or one of those songs. Yeah, they're all good tracks. It's, yeah. it's, his, mm. it's his voice and it's his words. And for me, that was important. But then I'd speak to other people who didn't seem to be bothered by it. Did you always mm. know that he didn't write the lyrics to his songs? Um, pretty early. Can't, right. I couldn't tell you when I found out. Okay. I, I, yeah. I think I marveled at that collaboration. Mm. I just, you know, you really respect the, yeah, yeah. The work. It, was, it was. Oh, it just, didn't stop me liking him. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying that it didn't allow me to go all in like I did with Billy Joel. But that album really kind of affected me. Right. Like I think it affects my writing to this day. You know? <clears throat> yeah. Like I just think it. There was something kind of. There was a lot of meditating on death. Mm-hmm. There was a lot, and I think in the, there even like the band are all all the the band shots. They're all kind of in a graveyard. You know, really? Yeah, they are in the vinyl if when you open it up. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and um but the thing is he was like he was knocking out albums every 6 months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, he couldn't he could have released probably an extra uh, four singles right off uh, Captain Fantastic and all that right. stuff but he was yeah. on to the next one. Yeah. Diff- you know, totally like, different era. Of well, yeah, well, people yeah, here yeah. were tour for 2 just, years on an album. Thinking about how many Beatles yeah, two, albums came years. out in the space mm-hmm. of how many Beatles albums came out in the space of six, six, years, six or seven years? Seven, yeah. Whatever mm. it was. Yeah. It was about 12 albums, wasn't it? Or 14 it's or something? something crazy like something that. Like, it's, it's mental. It's roughly about two it's a year, not, I think. It's not long. They went around. Yeah. 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 Well, they weren't touring. They gave up touring, didn't they? Because it was just... In the middle there. Yeah. Because yeah, it was a waste of time. Didn't hear anything. <laughs> I found... I, yeah, I, but, I, the other day, I bought the very first Prince album, which wow. I don't think many people know. It's called For You. I think it's called For You. Um, and... It was an absolute flop, and he followed it up with the album that was called Prince, mm. and he followed it up six months later, and that blew up and began wow. the whole thing. But this album, anyone who cares, check it out. It's just absolutely amazing. Mm. <laughs> There's this mm. whole starts off with a uh, an a cappella vocal thing with forty six tracks in it, just the most amazing harmonies and stuff, and then it goes into this kind of funk soul thing, and right. yeah. But the idea that he then put out like an album every six months after that mm. into the mid eighties. And it's all just spectacular. Yeah, yeah some of yeah, um, Bob Marley's early albums were like a Motown kind of. Oh, um, really? Yeah, soul sort of stuff. Not not what he became known for. Obviously, I'd be keen to hear I, that. I think a, I think yeah, a lot yeah. of early Jamaican like reggae. I think a lot of those bands had that. Right, Toots and the right. Motels and 
I could be wrong on this, but I think a lot of them had that kind of like Desmond Decker, you know, the, yeah. the Israelites. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, right. You know what I mean? That's kind of close to that kind of sound. Do you? Uh, so you, you're saying that, does, that it affects your writing today? You know, the mm. Yellow Brick Road. Do you put it on when you're writing? Do you? Uh, I, uh, well, I, I can. Yeah, yeah. I, I, right. I mean, the the where would I be without the Spotify? playlists you know writing i just get the coffee happening and just crank up and, and, and another thing you know jumping around aren't we so yeah <laughs> favorite porn coffee shampoo to use for the no. but anyway the uh, <laughs> that's the poor man's tips you get any rah, 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 shampoo. <laughs> I, I don't get a lot of work done i'm very slow <laughs> no um uh, a lot of the i'm listening to a lot of soft rock because if it's too intense, you know, it can kind of break my flow. But if it washes over me a little. Mm. Eagles, America. No, no. Not I mean, that if, soft. Right. Yeah, <laughs> not, that, not that soft. If they turn up on a playlist, maybe, you know, I may yeah. skip the odd one, you know, go, yeah. ah, your pants, I'm not in, into you today. Yeah. But um, it, it, what's been quite interesting is just being reminded how amazing those engineers were. Yeah. Mm. Fuck, they kicked ass. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, uh, you mean like, the recording engineers? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like um, I, I was listening to Alice Cooper's uh, Killers. Mm-hmm. The other, that is really well kind of recorded, mixed. I mean, it's those engineers knew their shit. Man. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I was talking to someone recently about an hell, album. Yeah. Talking to a friend of mine recently about an album that was recorded way back mm. where their only way of mixing it was to move everyone in the room. So can you can you stand back a meter? That was their way of turning them down because right. it all went into one track. Wow. <laughs> or maybe stereo or something. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, you mixed it as you recorded it. So if there were four backup singers, they stood in slightly different places based on how loud their voices were. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so how did you go from, you know, down in the dumps, 21-year-old watching Tracy Lords of porn to <laughs> becoming a writer? Demi, Demi Moore fan, I assume. Demi Moore. Yeah. No, not so much. Demi yeah. Moore? Not so much. Just 80s porn, full bush. Have you not, you don't know the... <laughs> Demi Moore? Is it, was she, she an actress? Yeah, like, yeah. Proper, she still is. But she, Anyone who understands the reference will be pissing <laughs> themselves right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 that'll be three people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, yeah, so I, I went to the Jeffrey James Theatre and it just got a bit intense there. Like, I mean, there was one, this is awful, but there was one kind of session where we were going back into our, you know, these kind of repressed memories and stuff. And um, and then the teacher said, um, I want you to remember your first kiss. And so all of a sudden, I'm like on, on the steps of the, of the, of the dental nurses at you know, Fairburn Road Primary School in Otahu. And, and, and I see Vicky, that was her name, this little blonde girl. And, and, I, and I lean in and I, and I give her a peck on the, on the lips and, and they're wet and soft and cold. And, but, but I liked it. And then all of a sudden I hear... Someone go, don't touch me, don't touch And they're screaming, 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 screaming in the room. <laughs> Someone else in that room didn't have a pleasant first kiss. Right. And then, oh, yeah. I thought so you meant Vicky. No. <laughs> so Vicky was in the room, was she? Yeah, you can see me, man. You can see me. No woman would react like that. Obviously. That, the, the Especially shit. when you do the De Niro Yeah, thing. But, but you were Cut 23 and she was 10. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, a, that's a bit of an issue. <laughs> <laughs> so someone got that far into it that they actually oh they they, they lost, relived their they relived something really awful yeah and Fuck. um and the teacher just said okay and everyone come back to the room and then it was like and you could hear <laughs> sobbing wow. and he goes now let's go on another journey and I thought 
I kind of want to get out of the space. Yeah, yeah. shit. I kind of want to get out of the space. You know, it was just quite intense. And there was another incident where, uh, you know, I got really provoked by him and, and uh, I basically had a fight on stage with someone. Right. Know? Like a physical fight. Yeah. And, and, and he... In front of an audience. Yeah. Like, well, in a, in a workshop situation. Right. Not like oh, I see. Ticket the, the people, people paying yeah, tickets. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it was yeah. part of the, like, the process. And um, he said, uh, oh, that was, yeah, when we had a break, I was like really kind of charged up. And he said, great work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was like, but dude, it's not work. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. really I'm really upset and, you know, and I've been hit and I've hit someone and and yeah, it looks really intense and stuff, but yeah. it was just a fight. It mm. was like it was it was it, it got dark, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And so I got out of there and started doing classes with Raymond Hawthorne. Um, oh. Who you you may know legendary, of, legendary, yeah. yeah, legendary, and and he um, really took a shine to me and um, worked in my voice. And I had a terrible speech impediment at the time too, like yeah. which was quite interesting. Um, but he said, "I don't want you to worry about that, darling. You just keep, stay here and keep working through it and stuff." And so, um, yeah, no, I, I I did that for a while and uh, just doing his classes. And um, an opportunity came up to go to Unitech as an mm-hmm. actor. And uh, I'd missed the auditions, but someone dropped out. And so they, they saw me late and Raymond may have pulled a string or two. And, and yeah, and I ended up going there and just really kind of really took to it. Right. And I really got a lot out of that school, you know, like I yeah. was there at 7 a.m. when everyone else turned up at 8.30 and mm. I was doing yeah. vocal exercises and becoming a Shakespearean actor. You know, I really kind of, I think I started to kind of develop a, a work ethic. Right. And understand what that meant, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I still kind of I think you know. Look, I don't completely regret the method thing. I think I got a lot of. Um, uh, I think it did put me in. Con- you know, I was able to kind of emote, right? You know, quite quite strongly and stuff at times. But um, but having that, that shape was important too. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I guess that's what I was about to ask. Was did you leave because you were against the process or because it wasn't the process for you? Because a lot of things in all areas of the creative world, and ballet, and and also mm. dance and music and whatever, um, a lot of things have sort of been uh, watered down or, or smoothed over. That you know, a lot of practices and training mechanisms and coaches were very very tough back in the day, especially in Chicago, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicago and New York and London mm. and so on. And out of that was all sorts of tragedy and chaos and mm. you know fallout left right like, and like the character in Whiplash. Yeah, I've never seen that, but I've heard oh, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's good. That's, that's intense. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. I mean, I don't personally believe in that teaching method. Mm, mm. I think it's nonsense. But at the same time, out of all of those sort of parts of history, some incredible stuff has happened. I, I guess a, a really extreme example would be Michael Jackson. Yeah, you know, mm. absolutely top of his game. But mm. what price did he have to pay for that? To, to, to get there, yeah, he'd yeah. been worked. Yeah, into the ground probably every night. Yeah. So did you? From a young by boy. his dad. Yeah. 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 So did you start to yeah. sort of take exception to that approach, or did was it just like this isn't for me? Whatever. Do you know, want. I don't think I did take <clears throat> exception to that. I, I mm. think that I'm a purist, in, in I don't know if purist is a, is a, the right word, but I, I think I do admire the tough teacher and right. the, and and the because I think that it's a um it's a tough business. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jo- Joni Mitchell said something interesting. Um, I think she this is years ago, but she was invited to a to talk on the arts and arts funding, and they thought she was going to be really kind of positive in that. And she said there should be no funding 
we should actually make it impossible for people to get into the arts. <laughs> sort of what I think. Because, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. I mean, because she said the people that are meant to be here will remain. They'll right. be here. Yeah. They'll, They're fi- be they'll here. figure it out. <laughs> yeah. They'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I often do wonder, um, you know, uh, we have, a, and I guess it's because it's government funding and they have a different kind of yeah, responsibility or, or they think they have a different responsibility. Mm. But a lot of things, a lot of initiatives are we're looking for. Uh, what You don't need to look for an artist. Mm. An artist <laughs> finds you. Yeah. Mm. If you have to find an artist and offer them an opportunity and say, hey, have you ever tried this? You're not going to great, make great art of that. Right. You know, mm. You're not yeah. going to make great art. Because it's not just about the skill, is it? It's about the drive to turn that skill into something. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 it's about talent, and it's about, uh, I mean, it's just like a a, a bloody minded determination. Like you, can, which it sounds like that you have that, you know, from the music to the acting to the writing to, <laughs> I mean, you're you're involved in many different areas of, I guess, performing arts or create the creative sector, <laughs> um, and there must be a bloody mindedness about keeping at it, keeping at whatever that is to keep doing what you do. Because most people would have got out at the um, girlfriend dumping you in the record deal going away. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, well, that's right. And, and I, I think sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit, um, you know. Like, uh, not that long ago, actually, I, I did a bit of reflection and, and thought, well, I must be tough. Right. There must be some something iron deep inside me. Yeah. Because I'm still here. Yeah. And, and it's still a struggle, mm-hmm. you know. But I, what else would I do? Yeah, you know, and and when and when you when you get it right, mm. and, and like and people are laughing, like the Uber driver that brought me over here, you know, a Sikh guy, and he um uh, he said, oh, you know, oh, what are you doing tonight? And I said, oh, I'm doing this interview, and I said, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm a comedy writer. Maybe they're going to talk about comedy, you know. Um, and he said, uh, you know, that, that's you, you have the best job in the world, buddy. You know, you you have the <laughs> best job in the world. You make people laugh. Mm. And I thought, man, that was good to hear. Yeah. Like it, it, it is. It, it's a, it's a wonderful job, right? You know, and and hearing some of the feedback from Find Me a Maori Bride, like, um, because because the Facebook went off for that. I yeah. had about seven thousand um, followers, like pretty quickly, which is high for wow. a, for yeah. a, you know New Zealand show. Yeah, and um, you know, there was a sense in a lot of the you know the um the people commenting that you know it was it was a bit irreverent and they hadn't seen that before and there was a sense of release right right like finally there was a there was a sense of that and i thought man it's good to know that i made those people happy yeah that they got a giggle yeah you know yeah. irreverent in what sense oh i think it was just uh, it's not irreverent if you stack it up against you know, a lot of American comedy or something right. like that. You know, yeah. New Zealand is quite conservative. Yeah. We're still pretty conservative. But, you know, it was kind of, it was about, you know, tikanga and Māori, but it was about, it was cheeky about it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was there was a sense that we were kind of having fun on our way to that to that end yeah. you know and do people um look at you and go well you know obviously with a, a, a pale face that yeah. do, where the where the fuck do you think you are coming from <laughs> to, to, you know. well i had gone under the radar but thank you that that's that's probably oh, sorry, over now. No one out there who knows that, uh... well no people know but i mean look i'm surprised I, yeah. I i haven't really been i mean race is a very touchy subject in this country yeah and... uh, yeah 
Yeah. Like I, I was brought up in South Auckland. I don't consider my humour brown, mm. uh, but I don't, but I have an, a lot of overlap with Māori and, and urban Māori, especially because I was brought up in South Auckland. Right. So the experience I had is very similar to, to the experience they had. Yeah. I mean, their fathers were working with my father when the meatworks closed down. Mm. They all, you know, we were all kind of instantly poor overnight. Um, we all kind of formed little gangs and roamed around and did our thing. Yeah, we, we uh, you know, um, the experience is, is similar. Yeah. I mean, there are differences, sure, but I mean, there are differences between yeah, anybody. Absolutely, yeah. exactly. And so, I don't know. I think the race thing has gone a bit far. Like, I think that we've lost, uh, you know, uh, the, we've lost a sense of class and what class means. You know? Right. You mean uh, classes and dignity and things, rather than no, rather no, than class structure? Or? No, no class structure. Oh, you mean class structure? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It, it's like you could say, you know, when, you know, you could say to people, um, "Well, you shouldn't be writing this because you're not the right color." Mm. Mm. But you know, no one's ever going to say, "Hey, well, you're the right class." Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. So, so you do know this world, you know? Yeah, right. And right, I think right, that's right. relevant. Yeah, right. Because I mean, we we talk. You know, they tell us about diversity. Well, my upbringing was diverse. Yeah, mm. like it was incredibly diverse. But you're, you're, are you, I'm confused. Are you saying there should be more of a class system, or there shouldn't be more? There should be less of a class system. No, there is a class system. There is a class system. Yeah, and there is a class be. system. Yeah. Um. Well, no, there is. Yeah. I'm not making. I'm not saying whether there should be or shouldn't be. Right. There is a class system. Right. But people today are more inclined to kind of judge people on race. I see. And whether you should should you be writing this because you're the wrong. Mm. color yeah. Mm. yeah and i'm like yeah but well w- why not consider my class but that's widespread yeah. though isn't you know? it that people are judging the person saying the thing and not the thing that's being said there, yeah. was, there was an example in the states recently where a kid got up and to a to a trump supporting um audience and and quoted trump and everyone applauded and then he revealed that he'd actually just quoted obama mm. and then he got booed mm. They weren't interested in what was said. Yeah, and he did right. it just to fuck with them. Mm, 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 <laughs> and I thought it was amazing. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. interesting. But that's yeah. the thing. I mean, uh, it is sort of risky for you to take on a subject like that, being a white dude, because you could get. A backlash. Well, have you had yeah. any backlash? Have you had backlash? Well, no, not really, not right. a lot. Did you find a mouldy bride in the end? Or? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> A few. <laughs> no, no, Bridesmaids. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, um, no, I, I don't look. Okay, I'll be candid. Mm. I've made a few uh, comedies for Māori TV, and I probably won't be doing anything with them for a while. Right. And yes, it's a factor. Your choice or their choice? It, it's a factor. <laughs> Their choice. Yeah. It, 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 it's a factor. And, yeah. you know, and I understand that, you know, because I, I've, I've been very lucky and I've, I've made about five of the, these comedies, mm. you know, which is, I mean, I've been able to be very, and over like a four-year period, five-year period, right. I, I've done five comedies, written five comedies. In um, English or te reo? Uh, oh no, we I write them in I write them in English. I mean, I've picked up some te reo, you know, just being around it for so long. Right, right. Because um, I've done, you know, before the comedy, I was doing lots of you know documentary and different things, still for you know Maori TV. Right. Um, but no, we have uh, consultants like you know Stacey Morrison often, oh, yeah. and, and you know Scotty Morrison, mm-hmm. who I've you know worked with yeah. off and on for years, mm-hmm. and they're fantastic. And and they kind of you know steer the ship too you know like they make sure that things are 
I, I'll use the term kosher because I am Jewish. Right. <laughs> right. But um, are, are, you, are you actually Jewish? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so do you have any Maori in you? No. Right. No, I don't. I was wondering if you were keeping that quiet the whole time while we were. I thought you were going just, somewhere that, else with that. There, there, there was. Yeah. Do you have a foreskin? <laughs> <laughs> what? <I'm> like, no. <laughs> Don't, you don't have yeah. to answer that. Unless yeah, the, pe- the people can Google that. Um. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was still trying to figure out how you got there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just, okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So, um, uh, yeah, look, look, I understand. Like, <clears throat> I am taking kind of opportunities away, potentially, mm. you know. But the other, the flip side of that coin is, but, you know, I feel the yeah. channel is my home because mm. I'm from Otahu. I mean, what, what, where else do I go? You know mm, what I mean? Right. Mm. Like, I'm not the middle class Graylin. But cat, either your voice you know? is something that people want to hear, or it's not. So, yeah. are you taking opportunities away? Well, I mean, are the people taking their own opportunities? You're you're doing it for yourself. If it's something that people want to hear, or or you've got something to say, there shouldn't be any any barriers, surely, in the way just because of. Well, no, and I mean, you know, you could argue that, well, I would argue, um, you could argue too, uh. that way two of us would be arguing and it might help me, but um, <laughs> I could argue that I've created characters that have led to people getting work and right. Māori getting yeah, work sure. and being employed and, and things like that, so that's all there. Um, it's a very confusing subject. There's a lot of discrepancy in history. Like, I mean, there's yeah. a there were a couple of promoters in New York that really um, furthered along the jazz thing in the 60s mm. and, you know, all the big famous legendary jazz musicians these two guys were germans like mm. full-blown germans mm. could barely speak english and and they were sort of behind this genre that got so attached to the black community and you know the very deep american part of american culture i mean and yet they were sort of just businessmen just yeah. cl- clipping the ticket and, you and, know. and and maybe seeing what was unique about the form because they were maybe different perspective, a different perspective potentially. Right. Possibly, you know? I mean, possibly. Yeah, I mean, that, that it's could hard be to it. say. Mm. It's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the gags and and stuff that I use and and, and you know put down a Maori bride and a lot of the stuff is, I mean, they're they're, they're actual. They're, they're based on things I've actually seen. Right. You right. know what I mean? So yeah. I'm. It's almost like reportage, you know, reportage or whatever you call it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm. I, I, even the most outrageous ones that you'd think, oh, well, that's bullshit. That that was never said. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of it yeah. is from the from the you know the storeroom of my mind going back to when I was growing up and all the kind of crazy characters I, I'd meet out in yeah, South oh, Auckland, totally like outrageous. Right. Oh, well, you're out there. Eh? Yeah, I work out there every day, and um, the, you can't write some of that shit, man. Yeah, and it's a, it's amazing. I laugh all the time. I know every day. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And you go, Fuck, it's wow. a, it's you a wouldn't funny, believe this. Yeah. You you would think that this was total fabrication if you wrote yeah. it down and said, right, this happened today. This happened today to me. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you feel when you write like you have to represent a group? Or, or, or any angle, or do you just write from the story's point of view or your own experience? I mean, does it change when you've been commissioned by this party or that party? You know, does that mean that you now have to write with a sort of agenda or sympathy? Or do you try to keep your art with just the art? Uh, I don't I don't know. Like, um, I mean, there, there are times when I probably, you know, tow a party line but have a bit of a sneaky subtext going on as well. Right. I mm. mean, you can do that, you know, and mm. just to be a little... Um, cheeky and just to kind of smuggle something in yeah um but uh you know i mean i don't have any great uh comment to make 
right about race really just um, trying to make people laugh i'm just really trying to make yeah. people laugh yeah. yeah i mean when i was brought up in you know in, in south auckland like one of the first jobs i ever did was um like digging holes you right. know in at pacific steel on favona road and mangere there and like mm-hmm. you know and of course i thought yeah man i'm gonna I'm going to be like, you know, I had visions of me being like Arnold with the biceps in, the, in this massive <laughs> hole. But of course, within an hour, like I just wanted to die. <laughs> there was a gun just on the, I would have just picked it up and put it in my mouth. But <laughs> it was just horrible. And so I dig an eight foot hole at the end of that, you know, by the end of the day, like me and this other kind of guy, we, we just, we get there and I'm just, I've had it, you know. Yeah. And then the, the workmen go, yeah, jump in the ute and they take me back to the yard and, and you know, and they throw about four big bottles of lion red down me, and so I'd stumble home and right, and then woke up and oh no, it's going to happen all over again. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the the guys at who were part of that working crew, I mean, there were you know like Indian guys and you know Sri Lankan guy and um, you know Maori, you know Samoans and that. Mm. Some of the jokes or the way they'd refer to each other would turn most progressives here mm. white mm. Right, right i mean they would absolutely lay into each other you know based you know, on like, race do you mean? oh yeah right or just anything or anything just anything but, but, but a lot of it was racial <clears throat> yeah and you know and i got shit for having kind of long hair and and and, and being white and fish you know? <laughs> yeah i didn't wear them to actually did i i may have worn them on my first day <laughs> I did, yeah. That's why they wanted me to stick around. And after around. you got out of hospital. Yeah, they wanted me to stick around. That's why they wanted me to stick around for drinks. <laughs> no, but, but you know, and and they'd give me a lot of shit. You yeah. Know? And, you know, and threaten to fuck me and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right, as you do. As you do, yeah. you know. Um, it just with the Uber driver just before I just you know, threw it out there. No, um, but <laughs> gallows humour. Uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah. Um, but they loved each other. Hmm. Yeah, on the Friday it was like, oh, so am I turning up at the boat? What time, bro? We're going to go out. We're going to, you know, you know yeah. what I mean. So yeah. I guess it some of that kind of edgy, kind of really, you know, racist humour was hmm. kind of used to let off steam in a funny way. There was a yeah. there was a sense of play. There was a kind of Right. Uh, a lot of people don't get that. Well, comedy has to have context, and out of yeah. con- out of context is absolutely corrupted. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. it, and that's where I think when you've got government bodies and committees and all that kind of stuff, it it always clashes. What, you, know? you mean wanting to take an interest in wanting comedy. to control it or curb it? Oh, or well, the Human Rights like Commission. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, that that whole campaign of 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 um, the give nothing to racism, and they're, and they're talking about jokes. It's like, really? Yeah. Like two friends share, you know, some having some candid banter. Yeah, mm. you want to police that? Yeah, that, that's where you want to throw money for a campaign. I mean, yeah. there's real racism out there. Absolutely, like yeah. real racism, not two people kind of shocking each other just to kind of yeah prod prod each other. I mean, there's no, real aggressive. There's hurt, real hurtful. aggressive hurt yeah. stuff. Behind, yeah. The intention behind what you're saying is the is the real exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know? and, and that stuff exists, mm. but. I don't know. It's like they they want to go for the low hanging fruit when it yeah. comes to racism, right? And you know that's what it feels like, and not deal with the real the stuff. The real heart of it, yeah. The heart. I, of I think it. one of our national heroes was Billy T. James, mm. and and I, you know, he he, I guess died when I was about ten, I think something mm. like that, ten maybe eleven, and and I I always believed that he kind of broke the ice on the subject the whole time. Yeah. You know, he just kept it sort of moving, 
Um, and it wasn't ever directed in one particular direction. He was just, he was always going for funny. For everybody. Mm. Yeah. He'd yeah. everybody. He'd yeah. never go at everyone. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it was a super intelligent comedy. Yeah. Very well crafted. Yeah. And, and I just, I really think we took a big hit as a country when he went. Oh, mm. no, I, mm. I agree with that. Mm. And I'd like to think some of my stuff is in his tradition, really. Mm. Right. Um, he was an influence? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think that's the, yeah, that is the kind of ground I like to, like to mine, really. Mm. What are you working on now? Oh, got quite quite a few things. I'm uh, working uh, with Jimmy Jackson again. You know the the YouTube. Oh star? yeah, right. Yeah, like he's a guy that I've kind of worked with a few times. Yeah, and so okay. we're, we're, Are you writing for him? I have written for him, and we're, we're putting something together. We're putting something else together now. Oh. So that's that's cool, and he's great. You know, yeah, because like, yeah. he he's kind of in that kind of same mold as well yeah and okay. he, he's got nine hundred thousand followers on facebook oh, yeah. isn't that just that's amazing, amazing. Yeah. that's amazing yeah that's still, incredible still not mainstream uh, <laughs> maybe they're a little you know a bit nervous but about because he you know he, it's hard to contain him you know but yeah. um uh you know but he's a he, he's a real he's the real deal right yeah how has uh how have platforms like the uh like facebook and youtube and instagram helped Someone like you, a writer like you, I guess, who's independent. Um, yeah, in a lot of ways, you know, how how has that helped your career to get, get I guess, noticed? But well, I I made a a comedy recently where I uh, discovered, you know, just these uh, two Wahine Maori um, uh, comics just on their phones doing doing a bit of shtick, you know, yeah. and, and playing Tane, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, a Māori top twins, you know. So oh, yeah. I got in contact with them and said, hey, you know, would you like to talk? Maybe I could kind of help you a little and all that. So we, they were keen and, um, you know, I we tried to get a web series up first and they got knocked back. But I said to them, I said, hey, you know, don't don't worry about that. You know, this mm. is because, you know, this is the whole thing about being, having that kind of steel core yeah. <laughs> within you. You know, you can't take those, you know, you get rejected. You just got to go, okay, well, let's just go for the next round. Yeah. yeah you right. know, you just got to get straight back on that horse. Mm. So mm. They, were, they were a bit kind of downcast because of that. And I was like, no, no, it just means that we'll go for a full show and it may be better. And we, we got it. Right. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. yeah. So, Amazing. yeah. So what I'm interested in is really working back from talent now. You okay. know, getting, you know, it's, it's. I feel that, you know, we have some talented comedians in, in New Zealand, but they tend to just become uh, presenters. Right. You know, they turn mm. up on the project or, or something like Josh Thompson is fantastic. Yeah. What's he doing on the project? Right. He, mm. he should be our John Belushi. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, is there just right. lack of opportunities though? I I, I don't know. It just but seems you can to make be your own opportunities. In this yeah, you, you can, and he, you know, he's with the download, and then you know, then they know mm. what they're doing. There's no criticism there, but I, I just think that, well, you know, obviously he's offered money and he's going to do it, isn't he? I mean, yeah. most of us would, but it, it, it's wouldn't it be great if like a Raybon Khan had like a sitcom, right, where he's a dad of you know, like it would be good to see a lot of these comics kind of. Rather than go straight into you know writing columns for the Herald, mm. yeah, and and and, and um, you know presenting uh, to have their own shows. Well, the, I mean, they're sort of I think regarded that sitcoms are gone, mm. out of date, right? And the Netflix era has changed all of that. Mm. Do you see a, a, an effect that things like Netflix are having in New Zealand? Huge, huge impact in the states and so on. Uh, but actually, yeah. in the industry here, I mean, I don't mean watches. Uh, I think NZ. You know, TVNZ on demand has um, got pretty funky lately. Yeah, uh, yeah, and um, you know some of that content is, is shorter content, right? 
but it's pretty diverse, pretty funky. Um, there's some good comedies there. Good, yep. You know, comedy content there. I, I, I think with Netflix and that, when you know, the only way those networks can compete is to, you know, is to make content like that. Right. You know, I, I, and and I think that we we may finally see more kind of sitcoms and because I kind of I have an opinion, and I'm curious to know if you agree with mm. it, which is that we were stuck in a model because of big business that sort of held it in place being those cheesy sitcoms with canned laughter and all that kind of stuff and now the lid blew off and and it feels like there's more opportunity to make more interesting stuff these days so it should be better for people like directors writers right yeah but i i we haven't we haven't quite worked out how to get paid <laughs> right. Well, like that's the, the whole entertainment industry. It sustainable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's yeah. coming. Some people can. I mean, Jimmy can mm. because he's so popular. But he also you know, owns his own IP and I guess owns like, all yeah. his controls, own IP, own, own, he controls the, it all. Content, yeah. yeah. But how yeah, did you make a living since that moment when you were 21, you know, and you've been dropped on your head by life? Well, like, did you get a day job? Like, what, what did you do? Oh, well, sometimes. Yeah. Um, I. Worked at, well, I worked as an actor for a couple of years. Right. I had like a, a year-long theatre contract and stuff right. like that. And cool. so I was working as an actor. Yeah. Um, but it's really when I had children that it was like, oh, well, I need to, uh, you know, have Get something, something regular. More, yeah, yeah, regular. And yeah. then I kind of got into TV directing first. Yep. Actually, I made a digital feature, which I kind of helped fund. Yep. Uh, not with my money, but I helped source some money to make it. Mm-hmm. And um, I went behind the scenes on that because it was a bit of, Bit of a disaster, to be honest. So I right. had to kind of save the cut, and um, and doing what do you that mean by save the cut. Oh well, it's just uh, you know we'd we'd taken seventy thousand dollars off this you know private investor who who was good enough to give us this money, mm. and um and and we weren't it didn't look like we were, we were going to deliver him anything. Right, right. So it was it was really kind of a nervous yeah. time, and so we you know we actually fired that director which was pretty tough because he had been oh i see what you mean you saved yeah. it by, by well, okay yeah taking yeah, yeah, over. yeah taking over we had to and kind of and we got into some festivals and that so there was a semi-happy ending he didn't mm. get his money back Mm-mm. but you know well, what do you do you know, yeah you know, yeah he should not have given us seventy thousand. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening don't do that again. yeah no, no, don't don't do that five thousand dollars yeah to, actually ten thousand dollars go down there and make your little film he gave us seventy thousand dollars right yeah yeah but with all the Shots stuff for everyone, <laughs> with all the oh, stuff yeah. you've done, all mm. the successes, the high points, the low points, mm. has it felt financially like a struggle the whole way through, or has it been relatively a comfortable ride? No, no, it's been a struggle. Yep, yeah, it's been a struggle. Right, and I've compounded it with my own stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to pretend that you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like totally. because I, yeah, I mean when 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 it is a t- when you when you're in a tough business, mm. you got to make. You know, you got to be smart. Yeah. Mm. So I was in a tough business, and I wasn't smart. Right. So now I'm a lot smarter. You know. How would you like, be smarter if you went back and did it again? I've pushed a button. You're now 21 again. Less whores. Less whores. No. <laughs> <laughs> more shampoo. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. More shampoo, which got pricey, to be fair. <laughs> so you had to go to vegetable oil. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, that's right. So I've heard. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, no. I, I think. Um, uh, I I just I I wasn't running myself as a business for a long time, right? You know, and yeah. you know, and I and I, I never I never lost my appetite for alcohol. Mm. You know, I, I was a bit of a party guy, you know, and I yeah. just kind of 
I don't know. I think like a lot of people in, in, in the arts, it's like, well, one day I'll be a millionaire. So it'll anyway, because yeah. I'm so talented. So yeah. it'll all be on then. So let's just go for it. You know what I mean? And that happened probably a bit longer than it should have. You right. Know? And, yeah. um, not yeah. uncommon, though. Not uncommon. But but yeah. mainly, I think it was just I didn't treat myself like a business. Yeah. And, I, and, and mm. I'm a lot better at that. Cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What do you do on a daily basis to kind of keep the business rolling in? Well, you know, uh, I, I create content, you know, like yep. that's what I do. I'm not just a gun for hire writer. I'm a person that's pitching a lot. Yep. So, you know, I um, I have to spend at least three days a week on development. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that if you're wanting to be serious about, because um, I don't wait for other people to employ me. Mm. You know what I mean? That's that's not my thing. I create right. shows. Yeah. I want to work. I'll create a show, you know. So what, is, what do those three days look like? Are you sitting there, you know, with a pen and paper waiting for the ideas to come? Or like, what does development look like? It looks like me, um, you know, putting on a, you know, a really nice pot of plunger coffee and yep. and cranking up the Spotify and mm-hmm. just uh, just belting it out, man. Yep. Yeah. Like, like developing, I, I, like, see, like, this is the seed process. This is looking for things, or is it development? What What is development? Well, I mean, develop- <laughs> you like, do you set yourself a goal? You're writing yeah. three pages a day, four pages an hour. I, I've I've got a pretty good ethic like that like right. I, I will work long hours and i will get i can get 10 to 12 pages done a day yeah wow is that good that sounds good that's good yeah. that's 12 minutes of screen time yeah, a yeah. day. yeah i can do that yeah fuck so i'm i'm pretty good and if you hire me anyone listening <laughs> if you want a script in a month i'll give you a script in a month right you know like a feature film i'll do it it'll, it'll be there for i've you. got an idea for a feature film how much does it cost to uh well we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk. yeah don't put it out there yeah <laughs> I think you got to have a you got to be serious about your work ethic. You got to yeah. be you got to get up and do the work, you know. But right. I mean development is it can be, you know, uh, you know, looking online and, yeah. and and seeing a pair of great comedians and I uh, you know contacting them and all of that. <laughs> Why the fuck did my mind go to <laughs> a great pair of knockers? I was like, oh, God, I'm sorry. It could, be, the- it could be like, you know, it was, uh, yeah. yeah. But it's okay. about, but inspiration. You're getting inspired. What yeah, yeah I just any that. any old any old thing can inspire you or is there a particular I mean, you, Spotify helps, I, I assume. Yeah, yeah, the music is good. I, but look, is development coming up with the idea or is it developing the idea? That's the bit that oh, I'm confused okay, about. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, um, well, it can be coming up with the idea. Right. And, and, then, and then from then, uh, but, but it's interesting because I, I've really tried to, I, I can't answer you. Right. Because uh, it's, it's almost, a mix, is that well, right? Well, uh, ideas dump in my head. Yeah. Like they just land in my head, almost fully formed. Right. You know, I mean, there's still questions to be to to be answered and stuff to explore, but the ba- like con- a concept will just arrive, right? And then I kind of write it down, yeah. and that's what I meant by just getting up and writing. I mean, I just, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, it kind of arrives there, and I just kind of put it down, and then I look at it and and think, okay, oh, this is what I want to do, and that, then I kind of rewrite it, maybe call some people, maybe I need a collaborator, yeah, maybe I need their input. On something like this? There was an explanation by Charlie Chaplin in his autobiography where he talked about the creative mind and he said that day-to-day, constantly, there are just ideas flying at your head. But basically Mm. every conversation, experience, everything you see, everything you hear, everything is just an idea. That's the Mm. way the artistic brain processes it. And and you're basically spending the whole time going, nope, 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 nope. And then every now and then you go, maybe, and you grab one Mm. and you sort of play with it for a second and then most of the time you go, nah, and you chuck it. You know, and then every now and then you hold on to it a bit longer, 
and then it sort of goes maybe to the next phase where you go possibly and you and you start to work it and of course that's 99% thrown away mm. and then by the time it gets onto the page or into a script or onto a guitar or whatever it might be mm. it's now been filtered through you know it's gone through this very uh, severe kind of process mm, mm. It, you know sort of like a sperm reaching an egg it's like millions have, have died just yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in that process mm. and um, and if it ever gets made into a movie or a song or something you know that's again a number and even of pr- then, yeah, 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 a, yeah. yeah you can yeah. fully finish a script of, as I understand it and it won't never it'll get shelved won't get greenlit yeah. 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 and it could be yeah. oh that can happen yeah. yeah so it's sort of a way mm. of thinking almost being a creative mind it's like you can't turn it off well Nietzsche had something interesting to say about it. Like he, he basically said that the 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 artist reads the world. Um, oh, I wonder if I can articulate this. It's Nietzsche for goodness' sake. Why did I reach for him? Um, <laughs> it's like reads metaphor into everything around him. Yeah. So if you had a big beard, that's 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 a metaphor suddenly. Right. Of wanting to hide something or, or something. You know oh, I, I mean? see, like a second meaning sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so, so the artist is kind of always reading kind of symbol and metaphor into yeah. into, mm. into their world. Yeah, so, like looking, looking behind the facade sort of thing. In a way. So there's, yeah. a, so there's a story and a narrative in everything mm. yeah. that you can just pull out of anybody. You Which know, is sort of, of true. Well, it is. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. You can... Yeah. You can you can pull stories out of anything. Absolutely. And, and the other thing I kind of learned, especially this is probably more through documentary, was that, you know, there are a lot of documentaries that get made that you think to yourself, um, well, that's not really an interesting subject. Mm. But what's interesting is the is their approach to it. Right. You know what I mean? So it's the subject, it's, it's the visual treatment. It's It's the angle they came at it from. Yeah. So, I mean, often a lot of our stories are, See, I'm not as big on story. Like I know a lot of people, a lot of writers say story, story, story. I, I mean, I'm, to me, I'm more about like, like you know, Blake Edwards. Do you remember? Do you know yep. the director who did like the Pink Panther films? Yeah. Oh yeah. He just he just had a lot of really funny fucking scenes, mm. and he just kind of sewed them together as best he could, and mm. there was your film. You know. Yeah. I, I'm kind of probably more that guy when it comes to comedy. Right. Like. It's like story, so not a three act structure or anything like that. No, nah, well, like if I if I can go there, but uh, to me, I I almost feel like it kind of get uh, that kind of stuff can get in the way of um of 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 what why you're really there, which right. is which is to make people laugh. Good example is um uh the Marx Brothers Duck Soup, right? It's just anarchy, yeah, and it is funny, it's funny as fuck beginning to end, yeah. And then right. they they do not at the opera, I think next, and I think they'd gone to Paramount, right. And there's a quote that one of the producers there said, you know, uh, you can make twice as much money doing half as much work. So, you know, with less gags, basically. Mm. He had big musical pieces in it and, you know, uh, there were kind of all sorts of little kind of segues into musical pieces and that. But when you look at it now, it's like, it's it's not, it's just not duck soup. Right. You know, mm. some of that kind of, you know, the formality of it and stuff kind of got in the way of the, Got in the way of the comedy. Yeah. You know, right. like Caddyshack's another one. Caddyshack is just, um, yeah. kind of makes, doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. But apparently in the cut, there was a, you know, the, the actual story of Caddyshack is like a, a love triangle between the young um, caddies. And when they saw it all, they said, Bill Murray, Rodney Dangerfield, let's see, yeah, yeah. Let's, we, we've got to see more of these guys. The, the yeah. love story isn't working. Yeah. And that's when they put the gopher in. Right. 
Because <laughs> right. that was, or else they wouldn't have had a through line at all. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. classic. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and, and I think the other irony of people saying, you know, you need a story in it to be worthy. You know, most stories people go for are pretty off the shelf. Mm. Oh, you know, oh, it's a redemption story. He learns a lesson about that. Yeah. Oh, we've seen it. The hero's journey. Right. Yeah, yeah and, and it's kind of, it's we've, we've heard it, you know, it's, it's not like they're that innovative or, yeah. or strong. Yeah. Often they're very mm. kind of just add water. You know, I, think, I, I think people always mix up uh, these techniques, the writing techniques and so on, as they mix them up as, as rules rather than yeah. support structures. It's in music all the time. People, yeah. people who say, no, you can't do that. Yeah. I think, what do you mean you can't do that? Well, you can do whatever you want. Well, but if you want to write a song that is like this artist, you follow mm. these points. But You know what I mean? But yeah. you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can. Do, you, you can, you can, you can do make a piece of shit if that's what you end up with, you know. If you're talented, yeah, you can do whatever the fuck you want. There's all sorts of people out there. Mm. I mean, Monty mm. Python's a great example of mm. breaking every rule, but yeah. sort of some of the rules hadn't even well, been invented if yet. If you're talented, you can do it. If yeah. you're not talented, yeah, it's mm. harder to do it. But there I mean, are people who sounds... are not talented who make amazing stuff too. Yeah. They can fall over it Yeah, no, there are no rules. Like, I've got a pet peeve with my books on, on screenwriting. Right. Because they convince producers that they know about writing. Mm. You know, because they're, they're easy to read. And they can consume them and go, oh, well, now I can say to the writer, oh, but what about this? What about that? What about this? And I just what about the inciting instance? Yeah, all, all, all of that stuff. All yeah. of that stuff. But the way I look at... Um, actually, I'll tell you a story. I, I was a fairly young actor. I'm working on stage. And uh, this uh, w- w- this director is giving me this process that I hadn't done anything even remotely like it before, where he wanted us to sit down. Uh, basically, every three or four lines, get a get a ruler and pen and and, and kind of you know, what do you call it? Segregate everything and into little chunks, little yeah. beats. He'd call them, and then uh, we'd decide before we even got up what we were doing in that moment right then we'd get up and act that and then decide whether that was the right action or not and then sit down again and write down what the action should be next time we play it right and then get up again and do that and of course it was so in the head Mm. i mean what i want to do is just just let me get up there and, and just do a scene yeah and let me let me finish the scene and just see what happens between me and the other actors you know so so this was so kind of cerebral and, mm. and, and it was killing all the spontaneity and, yeah. and everything. And, and so I, um, I just went like a block of wood, you know, like it just, I got really tense in the body. I just couldn't do it. Right. You know what I mean? I couldn't do it. And I was really kind of worried and, and, you know, and he was getting frustrated at me cause I could, you know, obviously cause I, I looked like shit, you know, like it was terrible. <laughs> and so I call my mentor, um, who's passed away, since uh, Murray Hutchinson, who used to run Unitech. Mm-hmm. I said, here's my situation. He's giving me this fucking, what is it, theory or some weird fucking university-style fucking shit. I can't do it. I'm, I'm a block of wood. If, if, if the play was Pinocchio, I'd, I'd win a fucking Academy <laughs> Award right now. But it's not. It's something else, and I'm yeah. all fucked up. And he goes, and, and I'm, I'm waiting for this kind of wisdom to come out of his mouth. He goes, I just pretend you're doing it. <laughs> I go, what, what? He goes, just pretend you're doing it. Just pretend you're doing it and do your own thing. At the end of the day, you're the one up there, man. Yeah. You're the one up there, so you just pretend you're doing it and yeah. do your own thing. I'm like, okay. So I just did that. I just acted and pretended I was doing it. And, of course, 
he he was like, wow, you've had a breakthrough. You finally get my amazing theory. Isn't it great? Can you feel it now? <laughs> Aren't I amazing? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you, you did. You know, I just made him think that he was onto it. And I'd, you know, but no, I just threw it out the window. And then um, that works for real life too, by the way. Yeah. Which I worked out. If you, if you don't feel confident in a situation, pretend you're acting someone who feels confident. Yeah. 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 Fake it till you make it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, and then I, um, on the on the opening night, we had a good opening night, and I went to a senior actor and said, um, "Hey man, I got a, uh, I kind of got a confession to make." And he's like, oh, "What's up?" And I said, uh, "I wasn't doing that fucking theory thing, you know. I wasn't doing that kind of process. Um, I just pretended I was. I was doing my own thing." Yeah. And he said, "It took you that long." <laughs> <laughs> so they were all doing it, right? Right. They were all. Doing okay. it, you know, yeah, they were that is like, the process. They were just yeah. getting around the director, you know, yeah, yeah. which is really interesting. But, mm. but see, what was interesting about that process, it, it just killed all the spontaneity. But, but you know, I thought about it later. It's like it was a it was a substitute for acting, right? It wasn't acting. Yeah, it was a substitute for acting. Mm. And books on screenwriting are a substitute for writing, right? That's yeah. what they're about. Mm. It's like how to create the husk of a script. Mm. You know, that's really mm. what they are. Like they don't teach you how to write. Yeah, they teach you how to make a really good imitation, right, of a good script. Right. That's 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 what I how I feel. Did about you? Them. But did you ever? I mean, did you learn writing because you went? You were doing acting at Unitech, but mm. the writing side of it. Did you ever have to start with one of those kind of skeletal structural approaches and then just? Go off from I, that, or just do what you you did what you want from the very beginning. No, no, I, I think that I think um, you know performing Shakespeare and and, and having to shape a scene mm. as an actor and, and and have musicality and rhythm in a scene. Mm. Um, you know, you can just take that and, and put it take you can take it across to the page. You know mm, what I mean? Like right. there's a, there's a natural musicality to the way a scene plays out. Yeah, I mean even like if, if you hear a, someone having a domestic argument. Um, uh, you know, outside your house or something, you can hear, yeah. you know, there's a shape to it. Right. Mm, I mean, there's yeah, a shape yeah. to, to, mm. to the way we kind of, you know, cap each other and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I think acting and, and, and playing in those forms, you know, because we had a classical training at Unitech back then. Mm. So we did Chekhov, we did, uh, you know, Shakespeare. So really good writers. And mm. so, like, being inside those um, words was, was, you know, kind of going to, start to give me an intuitive feel for how these scenes are structured. Right. But also, right. you know, hey, I watch thousands of movies. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm that guy, you know. So yeah. I'm kind of getting it just from watching other movies. Right. And saying, okay, this is this is slow because why don't I like this bit? Mm. You know, yeah. how does this work for me? Oh, that's a great twist. How do you make a twist? Oh, that scene earlier. Wow, I, you know, I saw that scene, but I, I, I could have picked up the twist there if I was paying attention, but I didn't. Yeah. When did that scene happen? It happened at this point. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just you kind of absorb it that way. That's a right, big thing, right, isn't right. it? That immer- I call it immersion. Of just, mm. you know, there's, there's, there's practicing and then there's just being immersed in it mm. and just soaking yeah. it in. Yeah. 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 But, but the, I mean, the 10,000 hours thing applies. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm. Well, that's the practice bit. I'm, yeah. But yeah. if you just have that, it doesn't really get you anywhere. I don't think. You've got to be open to other. Well, you might get somewhere mechanically, but uh, I mean. Yeah. I think I think you'll find if you peel back the layers behind any sort of great artist or whatever, there's always just more to it than just sitting down practicing scales, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, that was a weird, awkward silence. Shall we end there? 
<laughs> I saw, um, there was something I was going to ask at the end mm. there. Um, oh, where can we see uh, some of your work? Uh, where can we see Find Me a Māori Bride? And okay. is there a part two coming? Uh, oh, no, there is a part two. It's out. It's out. Okay. Yeah, so that's out. So Find Me a Māori Bride, Find Me a Māori Bride part two. They're all on Māori TV on demand. Yeah. Jimmy's World, uh, Jimmy Jackson's debut um, uh, series is on um, uh, Māori TV on demand. Yeah. Uh, Takes a Village is still a way off. Uh, there's another show called Tongue Tide, which is coming out. Um, I, I believe uh, around the 7th of July, something like that, so pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another one I wrote on. That's coming out real soon. Wow. Um, I've also got a web series online at the moment. Uh, it's about a crazy life coach. It's called Drew Andrews' Path to the Stars. Yep. So <laughs> that Drew, sounds good already. Drew <laughs> Andrews' <laughs> Path to the Stars. That's on um, uh, on YouTube or, or, or Facebook. If you look up Drew Andrews, you'll, you'll, you'll find that. Brilliant. And um and yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter and you know, and all that kind of thing at Dangero and Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Hit me up. Wicked man. Thank you so cool. much for agreeing to do this. In fact, you yeah. sought us out which yeah. was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I did. Appreciate I did. Appreciate um it. I got a friend who did one with you, Michelle. Michelle, Michelle Becker. Becker, Becker yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I thought that's cool. Oh nice. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you so much. It's been really insightful and um I'm sure it's gonna help at least Three people out there who listen. We've got three <laughs> listeners, so that's going to help. People who thought, well, you know, I, I'm getting a little raw shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> Vegetable oil. And raro. <laughs> raro to set the mood. Yeah. yeah exactly. Good stuff, Dane. Exactly. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dane Giroux. That, um, yeah, really enlightening and... I think I'd like to talk to him more. I, mean, yeah. I don't know whether on here or I might just give him a call because um, <laughs> yeah. he's just. Uh, I, I know that there's a lot more in there in his brain that I want to kind of pick at. So. Yeah, and like it always happens, we press stop and then talk for another half an hour. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, really interesting, <laughs> so, dude. Yeah, no, thanks, Dane, and also thanks to uh, Mark Rains, our sponsor. Um, check him out, Rains Gibson and Matthews Accountants. www.rgmaccountants.co.nz uh, awesome and thank you to you guys for um, hanging in there we know it's been a wee while since we've put one of these out and but we do really appreciate it we had had some feedback about people asking when the next one's coming so here it is and um, we're going to do some more shortly so yeah keep the supply coming in right on good stuff see you you later find what we're doing useful and you like this podcast please do like share and subscribe and give us a review on itunes